TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 474, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weednopolis. This is Tom. I'm a professor of communication and media at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue and live in Hollywood. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, we have that uh, The Morning Show has confirmed Steve Carell will be back for season two. And they have added Greta Lee and somebody named Rosari O'Connor. I have no idea who either of those people are, but apparently they're famous enough to make the article. Green Lantern has a series green light from HBO Max. Um, yeah, it's it's basically all the backup Green Lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> all the C-list Green Lanterns. Well, uh, they're, they're not... They're, they're more like B-listers. We just don't have John Stewart or Hal Jordan, but we have Alan Scott, uh, Simon Baz, Jessica Cruz. I, all Sinestro the ones that Gala. I don't know who the heck they are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. The uh, ethnic ones, the alien one, the gay one. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, Susan Sarandon has been cast in Red Bird Lane for HBO Max. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a pilot in which she plays the hostess of a house, a mysterious house, and she's also a murderer. Ooh, Susan Sarandon is a murderer. Uh, HBO Max also has picked up the Sky show called I Hate Susie, starring Billy Piper, which I, that's the only reason I'm reporting the news, because I really like, I haven't seen Billy Piper in forever, and I, I'm interested. Kate Mulgrew is to return as Captain Janeway in an animated series called Star Trek Prodigy. Don't you mean Admiral Janeway? It said Captain Janeway. Interesting, because last time we saw her, she was Admiral. Yes. Um, Dickinson has been renewed for season three at Apple TV Plus, and Glow has been unrenewed. Ooh! Ooh. Uh, Tom, you have news. Yes, Chloe Grace Moritz is going to star in the peripherals uh, adaptation based on William Gibson novel for Amazon. Apple TV Plus has decided to extend trial subscriptions through February 21. Yay! Um, what does that mean? Batwoman, what kind of trial subscriptions? Basically, if you bought a if you like if you bought a new iPad last year and you got Apple TV Plus, it was going to run out next month. Oh. Now it won't run out until February. Oh, okay. So that doesn't That's help me. Cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. CW restarted production Last Wednesday on Batwoman Riverdale on May, they were shut down because of safety preserves because of you-know-what. Uh, Disney Plus... Le- wait, 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 wait. One, one new piece of news. Uh, Legacy starts shooting next week. There you go. Which makes sense because I know that Black Lightning's starting pretty soon, if it hasn't already. Um, Disney Plus will premiere Soul for Christmas. It will skip theaters. HBO House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel, has cast British actor Patty Considine. Do we know who that is? Yeah, he's a character actor. You've seen him tons of stuff. Actually, he was in The Outsider. He was the uh, the one that The Outsider was targeting. 
that the entity was targeting. I don't think I saw that. You didn't see The Outsider? No. Dude, it's great. It's got uh, Ben Ben Mendelsohn and Jason Jason, uh, Bateman. Oh, I remember that. It started off with them murdering a child, and I turned it off. It got beyond that. I'm just saying, (laughs) that's what happened. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Netflix has also canceled Teenage Bounty Hunters. Showtime has unrenewed on Becoming a God in Central Florida. Mm. And Blumhouse has has cast Elizabeth Moss to play Congresswoman Katie Hill for a TV uh, project. And Katie Hill was caught in a tawdry sex scandal. Okay, then. That's it. All righty. So let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about Lovecraft Country. This is episode eight. Eight. Yes. And... This was legit the first episode that actually scared me. All the other... I mean, all the other episodes were bloody and they were whatever, but I didn't think they were particularly scary. Even the haunted house wasn't that scary. This episode... Just bloody. bloody. (laughs) This episode, uh, I I didn't want to go to sleep immediately. I was like, I got to watch something else first. Was it the Freaky Girls? Yes, it was the Freaky Girls. They were terrifying. <laughs> what do you mean? Was it the freaky girls? I'm just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, what would Libya up at night? Well, I'm just saying. Also, I'm impressed by the actresses who played the two girls because oh, yeah. the they that was not all visual effects. The way they were moving, those girls oh, were no. moving like that, and it was oh, it was they very unsettling. Amazing. Very I mean, it was clearly they were they they looked like dancers actually. Yes. I'm sure they hired little dancers, yeah. and they were just they freaked me out utterly <laughs> because yeah, the one thing that you know, there's very few things in horror that really get to me, but like dolls that come to life is yeah. is like one of the things that just I can't watch it. And they looked like that. They yeah. looked like little rag dolls that had come to life, and they completely freaked me out. Yep. This was, like I said, this was literally the first episode that genuinely scared me in the show. I did not appreciate it at all. I don't like being scared. So I, I, the storyline itself was really great. The fact that the, that, what is the girl's name? I forgot the, the daughter's name that she got cursed by the cop, which was, by the way, the, yeah, yeah. D, right. D. I, I I did not appreciate that the cop had to spit on her to give the... I was like, ew, that was, that was so nasty and unnecessary. Uh, and it seemed like he did it to get her to do what he wanted, but he also didn't seem like he had a way to take it off that she was just going to be dead anyway. So, yeah. I, I don't like, think that was a concern of his, really. Yeah, right, I know, but really what was, what yeah. was going to get her to... Mo- what was her motivation to share information with him if... You know, give me the information, you're going to die anyway. Like, okay. But I liked her attitude. I liked her resolve. She became really strong by the end of the episode. I was really impressed. And then her uncle, wait, is he her uncle? or He's her uncle? Yeah, he's uncle. her uncle. Like, he thinks she's freaking out over nothing, and he's trying to calm her down, but he allows the freaking girls to get at her and her arm. Ah! But That's wasn't like, he... Wasn't he getting blood on himself during that? Well, because she was getting ripped up. They weren't attacking okay. him. They were ripping yeah, up her arm. Yeah, he's not cursed, so it he's not, Yeah, him. it didn't affect him. Like, you could see she was, had these riblets on her arms. They were messing up. They were cutting up her arms, and so that's why he got blood on him. 
And I was like, let her go! You're stuck! Like, I was yelling at the screen. I was super invested in that part of the story. I will give them that. And what happened on the other part? Uh... Well, the other part, I mean, the, the first of all, I, uh, the whole thing really got to me. It was the, they were doing the funeral for Emmett Till. Oh, yes, thank you. That uh... was very big, yeah. Um, which, was, which was horrible. And I, uh, you know, and they tied the story into that. But what really, and of course they brought back um, uh, the the girlfriend from Korea uh, for five which, seconds. I wanted her to be in it more. Well, she, I, I don't know if she's going to keep. I mean, I don't think she's going to just go away at this point. I think they're going to. She's listed in the cast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she's she's they're going to keep doing more with her, but um, the that whole bit where um, and I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it actually. Where, uh, oh, now I've forgotten about the character, the blonde girl. Um, Chris, is her oh, name Christina or something? Christina. Christina, thank you. Um, where she she hired two guys to kill her, a la Emmett Till. And I'm still sort of of two minds about that. I'm not sure, was it like just a way to test her own powers? Or did she really want to get some sense of what is it like? to be a victim like that to because her her girlfriend is is telling her don't you feel anything and i'm i'm wondering is she trying to elicit those feelings in herself by doing that so i i really that that left me kind of open i wasn't sure what the point of that scene was i thought she was just testing herself in general that that conversation between her and um ruby oh and ruby where Ruby's like, don't don't you feel anything? And she just says, no. I'm thinking, and that's why we, and that's where we are in 2020 still <laughs> for a lot of people. Yeah. But the thing is that what, what made me wonder is that it's like the very next thing she does is try to kill herself like that. And she, and she seemed, it seemed pretty harrowing when she pulled herself up afterward. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe because she does feel things for, for Ruby, that she wanted to like, try to make herself do something to try to feel um so i'm just i'm wondering about that if if i'm reading more depth into the character than she deserves or if she really for for me the jury's out on her because i can't tell if she really has feelings to to toward ruby or she's just satisfying carnal desires right or she's definitely manipulating her she wants something from ruby absolutely Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is yet, but it has something to do with getting the power that she needs to become immortal. I love when uh, I love when Tick confronted her, and she's like, "You don't have that much of our, our we don't share that much blood in common." <laughs> <laughs> but I do like when they went after him at the end, and uh, because of the deal that Letitia made, that the creatures came back. Oh, right, because she has the protection. devoured the opposition. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. That was, that was amazing, especially yeah. because, you know, they, in earlier, you know, they had the scene where he and his father, they were trying to, to, you know, do this spell, and then they came away from it going, well, that didn't do anything. Well, it turns out it actually did. Yeah. It's just not the way they were expecting. When when that thing went tearing around, killing all the, the cops, which was great, um, <laughs> but then came over to them and leaned in, and Atticus puts his hand out, and it just kind of leans its head in like a little puppy wanting a scrub. And I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it, was like, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, 
it was clearly that they're responding to him, that he's controlling them now, and, and that was just great. Yeah. That so was good. Forward. That was a good moment. We this only have two first... episodes left, so, uh, you know, let's do this. Yeah, I have no idea where they're going, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling versus when I think we were watching Raised by Wolves, we're like, we have no idea where they're going, you're like, this is terrible. But this is yeah, different. We had no idea, and neither did they. Right. This out. does not feel like that. This absolutely feels like they know exactly where we're, where they're going. We just don't know. Yeah. So that's cool. All right, let's move on. Thumbs up. I mean, this was an emotional, scary. It had everything. It had all the things, all the feelings in this episode. And that's Brilliant. one of the best ways Lovecraft has been. Like, it just did all the things. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Lower Decks. And um, Lower Decks was this was their season finale, and yep. this was a fun episode. I mean, it really it had it actually melded the Lower Deck crew with the Bridge crew, and they actually worked together to solve the problem. And then at the end, you have the crew all split out. Like they, it felt like a season finale. So I thought they did a pretty good job. And a little bit of a cliffhanger. A little bit of a cliffhanger. I mean, it's not that much of a cliffhanger, but... I didn't like the cliffhanger. Okay, go ahead. Explain. Yeah. I I like the episode, uh, and I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, but I think Lower Decks posts on Thursday, and The Boys is on Friday. Yep. I watch them both Friday night. <laughs> same actor. It's weird going from, like... Huey and the boys to oh shoot what is his name on Boy, Boimer Boimer yeah it's so weird because it's kind of Boimer like I can boys. tell now that I know it I was like oh that is the same guy like uh, but I like the episode overall I was a little worried at first that when the big explosion happens and uh, I'm sorry because I'm terrible with names the guy who's basically like Data he basically he goes Rutherford. to load the virus into the the bad guy's machine. Yeah, and then, and then Badgie. The of, right, the voice of Kenneth <laughs> from 30 Rock, like, turns on him. And then that other guy, the older guy, saves him. You go through all this stuff. And I was like, wait, are they not going to give that guy, like, a proper send-off? He saved everybody. But then they do, which I thought was really nice. Um, my, only, my only issue is that I know that that character is... Yes, he very much wants. To, he he is all about the career ladder. The way that is it, Mariner? Is that her name? She's the, way the opposite. She, yeah, the way she is not. So I, I totally get that, and it's a great surprise to have Riker and Deanna Troy like show yeah. up. Like that was pretty show. cool. That was great. That, that was, was great. great. Of course, that was good. But at the end, so he basically gets the promotion to be with them. And he just like takes off. It's not that I don't believe he would take the promotion. Of course I do. But I also know he's totally become friends with Mariner. And, and like, I'm just like, because at the end, she's basically been calling him on the iPad. And you see that like, he's got a bunch of unread messages. And, and I'm just like, what's like, I don't know if I, I just didn't buy that. Like, I, you could have done the finale where he takes the job. He's going to miss his friend. Like, is there something more there? But he takes the job. We know obviously he's going to have to come back in some way. I don't know why it has to be that he kind of does a dick move. And I was like, what, what? Why wouldn't he just say goodbye? Like, unless I missed something. He di you didn't, but by the way, it's just a pad. And they pre-existed iPads, by the way. Yeah, on Star Trek, they're called pads. Yeah, yes, they're that's just correct. pads. Yeah. Um, you know, that didn't bother me because 
he's made no bones about it that he plans to be on the fast track. And so for him, she was a stepping stone. Now, obviously, they do have some kind of feelings for each other. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to, to start the new season two with him on the Titan with Riker and Troy and see how they end up putting him back on the Cerritos. I was surprised that they blew up that starship at the beginning. Oh, yeah. It's Everybody like, got crap. killed. Yeah, <laughs> they killed the entire starship crew. Yeah, I, my jaw was on the ground. That's true, too. Yeah. But it was great because it starts off with the their captain is that thing where anytime you get new tech and you've got that, that thing of that plastic. clear plastic. He's like, I don't want to take this off my chair. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> like that was, but you're right. I couldn't believe they, they died. I was like, oh, that's pretty dark. But yeah, I agree. And I no, like I that the was... villain was from TNG. The Packleds, yeah. The Packleds, who I, I, I hate those guys. They were like oh, my least favorite villains. villains. Yeah, they're from they're from the Next Generation, and Season they were, two. yeah, they Sarah, were some Samaritan of my Sarah. least favorite villains that I'd ever seen. I hated them. And then they brought him back for this show. <laughs> I was like, why? It, it's a deep cut. I mean, um, Mike McMahon is a huge Star Trek nerd. So he's he's going for a lot of deep cuts. You I mean, make you it notice... go. You We did make you, it go. Oh, did, did, did you see the, um, the still photo from Star Trek, the animated series, when they're talking about Kirk and Spock? Yes, I did. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's the more Star Trek you watch, the more jokes you're going to get on this show. So, I, I'm liking that part. Allison, do you not watch it? No, no, I oh, couldn't get into like it. Star Trek, right? I love Star Trek, but I just, I started watching it, and it was not funny to me. And it, it, I will say, it events, you should check so. out the last three episodes of the season. It gets stronger. <laughs> it, it really does. does. It? Yeah, it got stronger. I mean, I'll give it another <laughs> shot. I mean, Allison, you know, it's, I mean, it's just a light comedy. You're not expecting yeah. a deep show or something. It's not. No, no, but I, it's just, it just wasn't funny to me, you know, so I, it's. I think the the episode that blew me away was the courtroom one, the alien court drama. <laughs> that was amazing. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. So you should check that one out. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Emily in Paris, which is apparently now a controversy. The Parisians hate the show. The, 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 the pizza place, was it Louis Maltanis? He hates the show. Like, I, I was like, wow, all this vitriol for just a light little uh, show about comedy. Yeah, I was like, wow. But I mean, I'm still enjoying the show. I think it's fun. And we're going to talk about episodes three and four. Sexy or sexist is the first one we're going to talk about, which is the campaign of the cologne on the bridge. And Emily, I think rightfully is the only one that's in this century was like, you can't have a commercial with a, a naked woman. What naked woman? Walking down the street with all these fully clothed dudes all eyeing, eyeing her. He was, she was like, how is this progressive? They're like, oh, it shows that she's sexy. It was like, is it though? <laughs> it's and they tried to say it's her dream, not their dream. It's like, and it's like, uh, no, no woman imagines herself naked walking down a bridge with a bunch of guys staring at her. That's not realistic. I thought, so, well, they do, but it's a nightmare, not a dream. Yes, trend. thank you. Well, you right, go. right. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a good, a pretty good episode. And actually, I thought it was an interesting um, sort of turning point in the sense that I feel like I, I have felt that um, while... while while you know, uh, while while 
Emily, absolutely, story-wise, they have given her a reason for why she can't speak French because because it's like it wasn't supposed to be her, and so hilarity ensues. Like I get that, um, but I think the first two episodes do a pretty good job of showing that she's in she's in over her head and she's usually overconfident, which sometimes I think makes her kind of a rude American to the French. But in right. this episode, it's a pretty good one where. I mean, again, although I'm an American, but, like, I feel like we're on her side in this way where I'm like, well, yeah, you can't do that commercial. Like, But I feel like it works because the first two episodes, there are a lot of things that I thought she was just being really tone deaf on or just not being respectful to the Parisian culture where I was like, well, no, you're just being kind of a jackass. So in this, so I thought this was good that you now give her a thing to kind of speak up about. I thought that was a good right. thing. Actually, I've seen. I've only seen four episodes, and I thought that was one of the stronger ones. Yeah, uh, it is one of the stronger ones. So, what do you think, Tom? Go ahead. I thought it was a good episode. The um, this kind of starts. I don't know if this is in three or four, but where this client starts giving giving her inappropriate attention, including a gift of lingerie, which Ooh. is crossing a line, and then she finds out that this guy is also um, her her boss is his mistress. But with the wife's permission, which is, you know, that's that may play in France, but it doesn't play in the States. And is this the episode where she dumps her boyfriend or is that episode two? I think it's I don't remember. She yeah, she dumps her boyfriend somewhere in here. But um, the we had a text chain about this show. She really, though, considering that she's there needs to be a point where she needs to be putting forth more of an effort to learn the language. She's taking the class. Are you guys not to the point where she's taking that class? She is taking the class, but the way that they kind of make it such a pivotal thing, she should have done some stuff before she left. She didn't have time. No, she didn't have any time. She literally left that week, like a couple of days. She did not expect to go. She had like a couple of days notice and then she was gone. Give her that that reason. Yeah. And she's taking a class. I do feel that Maybe what Tom is talking about is less. Maybe Tom is talking about more a realistic thing of like, well, how could you, how could you not be trying to get better at this? But I mean, it's Darren Star, and I like Sex in the City, but like from, reality, from a sit, yeah, from a sitcom point of view, I'm like, yeah, they're probably going to play this up for the season. Like, well, I mean, like, well, the thing is, how fast can you legitimately learn French? Like. She's taking she's she's listening to French as she jogs every morning. She's taking a class every evening. Sure. I feel like she is putting the effort in now. I'm like, what language did she take in school? Because usually people take some language and languages the the, the European languages are similar enough that there are certain True. things you can pick up. Although I don't know, I don't. I took French and Spanish in high school, and I don't really remember anything. But although to be fair, I'm much older than she is. She's like four. Yeah. yeah. I she took, wouldn't I have been t- that far out of high school. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I took, I've forgotten I, all the French that I learned with the exception of a few little words and phrases. I took but, yeah. way more French. I took, I took it in fifth grade all through high school and in college and I still can't speak fluent French. So I'm just saying. And I spent a lot of effort trying to become fluent. And I would like so. to say that when we started talking about this last week on the podcast, and I'm curious to hear what Allison, if she got to watch it, says, is that the big thing I liked about the show, I mean, I like, I think Lily Collins is, is charming, but honestly, it's really more just, I like having this show, Paris looks really pretty, 
The food looks good. The oh costumes, my god, the food looks I, good. I, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying this is some deep thing or anything. No, no, no. Oh, it's I, not. Well, the yeah. other thing is, let's talk really quick, is her next-door neighbor, who we've been kind of shipping her with him, she the, finally makes the move, yeah. she finally makes the move and uh, kisses him and finds out that he's dating this random woman that she met the day before that was, like, becoming one of her friends, and she's like, oh, no. And he was like, and I was like, why would he not tell her that he's dating somebody? Because there was obviously chemistry happening between them. She did not read him incorrectly. But then again, this is France, and I guess maybe he expected her to be his mistress. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you usually, you usually have to be married to have a mistress. But, but I'm just saying, he now, obviously yeah. saw where this was going, and the favors he was doing for her, you don't just do for random people. And then he was like, well, I didn't know. His excuse was, I didn't know you were going to kiss me. And I was like, you could have told. There were plenty of opportunities for you to tell her. You offer her your bathroom for her to shower in. You're doing all these things. Oh, that's true. I was like, you're interested. So I just, I thought that was a lame excuse on his part to be like, well, I didn't know you were going to kiss me. Allison, did you see it? He's I did. Dog. I did. Yeah. What do you think? Um, Thanks for the show. Um, I don't like it as much as you guys. Uh, I, I, to me, this is an object lesson in what Ted Lasso might have been had it not been written by better people. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> it, it aspires to be uplifting. It aspires to be cute and charming and winsome and life affirming. And most of the times, it's just irritating and overflowing with caricatures. You, didn't wow. think, you don't think the Paris locations are pretty and everything? Oh, the Paris locations are quite The only thing that kept me watching, because I did keep watching it, was because it's it's beautiful to look at. The yeah. locations are gorgeous. Um, the, the men are very pretty, too. Uh, the fashions are really fun. Yeah. Um, and some of the some of the, the supporting characters, I especially like her, her friend Mindy. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the governess who used to be yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. I think she's actually, to me, she's the best thing in the show. I wish we were watching her as a character. But, um, um, you Paris. know, if she was the lead, I'd be more interested. Yeah, Mindy in Paris, I would watch. But uh, <laughs> Emily is irritating to me. She's she's like, you know, the, the little pixie girl who we're supposed to be in love with. And she's just, she, she gets on my every nerve. She... <laughs> I don't feel, you know, I, I don't have a problem with her not knowing Fran French when she gets there, of course, because how could she? What I have the problem about is that she expects everybody else to speak English, you know. Yes, but I think that's deliberate. And she, well, it's, it's deliberate because it's, this is being done for an American audience, so they don't expect you to just read, you know, captions the oh, whole time. Oh, that's true, right. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it, it reads as arrogant. <laughs> And everything yeah. that she does, she even even when she fails, she succeeds. So it's it's just she's That's just you know so perfect in Mary Sueish, and I I just don't like her as a character. Allison, do you see her as a manic pixie dream girl? Yes, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what she's supposed to be. I mean, and, I don't careful. see. I feel like I feel like we're. I mean, then maybe it's just because we're older. Because I know I've talked to Libby about this. I definitely feel like. When she's arrogant about things, I definitely think I'm supposed to think she's arrogant. Yeah, and they call her on it when she's yeah, arrogant. Because the characters call her on stuff. I feel like but that's... she doesn't ever learn and get better. But I think she I mean, does. That's the thing. She oh, I don't. I don't see that she ever has this moment of growth. And in fact, like I said, she fails up constantly through well, this entire true. series. 
no no matter what she does there's never a real consequence to it there's like a consequence for five minutes and then she goes in and explains to people why they were wrong and she was right and they <laughs> love her all of a sudden wait so now um, except for her boss uh, her boss still hates even her. her boss eventually comes around uh, um you know i mean spoilers like anyone was not going to know that uh but you know i mean there's just you just know where everything is going and that everything is going to go her way. I would have loved to have seen a point where she really had a consequence for something that she did that was genuinely negative and that she had to grow and learn that's from a, and I change that's herself. That's, I think that's a valid point. And look, I, I, I have not finished this and I have not finished Ted Lasso. I absolutely think Ted Lasso is better. Um, oh, what? But no, I'm still enjoying it. That's all. Yeah, let's wrap this up. It's, it's uh, a confection. <laughs> Next up, we're going to talk about uh, Fargo, which is the third episode. I tapped out at episode two or one. I don't know. I don't. I didn't make it very far. Uh, did I, I miss anything? Episode three. Not really. I figured out what bothers me about this season of Fargo. If you look at the movie and then the first three seasons, there's always an inciting incident for the, the other seasons, either in either episode one or two, where the crime, the crime right. occurs by people who are seemingly likable but mm-hmm. still petty and venal and mm-hmm. will eventually be held accountable for their actions. We haven't had that yet. Right. This is just like, hey, we're doing this 50s thing. Oh, and we're going to do this gang war, but we've got blacks and then we've got Italians versus each other, and they do a child swap kind of like in the new gods with dark side and Orion, Orion and uh and uh Scott Free but it's like it doesn't work yeah it doesn't work the same because when you're watching everyday regular people commit crimes and then have to figure it out that's interesting uh watching gangs fight each other is not that interesting i'm bored i'm absolutely bored how's chris rock oh he's, he's fine, fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with his performance. It's just not a well-written concept. So, Yeah, I think mainly, too, and and this goes to, because I was trying to figure out why is this not working, and I think what Tom says has has a lot of validity to it. I, I think partly what we need is, like, somebody to actually root for. And normally that's someone who's who's trying to solve the what's crime, going on, right? who's trying to right the wrong and right now, the only person who we have at the center of it, who's 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 a genuinely good person, is a little girl. Is a girl, and and she's not going to be solving anything. And she, you know, she's not in a position of authority where she can really write anything or or make things better. She can just watch it all happen. And I, I guess that's another take, but it's just not proving out to be a very interesting one. In the meantime, we have. Beyond her, we've just got people who are bad guys being bad Mm -hmm. instead of seeing somebody who was ordinary, maybe not necessarily (laughs) good or great, but ordinary become corrupted and sucked into a world Mm -hmm. of of evil. Can I ask? I haven't seen, I've only seen the first two seasons of Fargo, but one of the things I liked about Fargo at the time was isn't season two like, doesn't Kristen Dunst like, run over somebody and yeah. like oh, yeah parks the car it somehow doesn't click with her the, the body's there the whole time she's like in shock yeah right and yeah. 
Kristen Dunst and her real life husband like have to like now cover it up. So these are people that are, they're not necessarily great people, but kind of what you guys are saying. They're kind of ordinary folk, and then things are really getting, they're not doing that in this No, season. not at all. No. No, no. Because, the, because it's the small board. There's that r- really interesting moment in in episode three where, oh, shoot, well, I'm, the, the name, um, the, the voice of Pat, Ben, Ben Wisham? The voice oh, of Pat. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Winshaw? Paddington. Yeah, Paddington. Yeah, yeah. That's the voice of Paddington Bear. Yeah, and also the the new cue in the 007 movies. But there's a moment where he basically prevents an attempted assassination, and it's interesting because he usually plays good guys and neutral guys. His face totally contorts, and he goes like full on, <laughs> and it's just wild because I'm like, I did not know he had that in them. And then when the scene ends and the and the tension lets up. Then he's back to the normal, you know, his normal visage. So that was kind of interesting to see somebody like that who seems to be kind of goodish, you know, go to the dark side ever so briefly. But yeah, it's. I'll I'll, I'll give it a few more installments to see where they're going. But I'm just, it's not Fargo. That's the problem. It's yeah. not Fargo. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have the same feel. All right. And, and, and actually, Ben Wishaw would have been more interesting to use as a focal character because he absolutely. is more of a victim than an, an actual predator. He's just been sucked into this world. So, absolutely. yeah, that would have been more interesting with him as more of the focus. But as it is, he's just another peripheral character. Yep. And the, the cast is overly large, too. It's like, Oh, yeah. Too many people. Let's wrap this one up. So not really a thumbs up, but there you yeah. go. Yeah. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Bly Manor. And when I say we, I mean uh, Peter, because he, I believe, is the only one who watched it. Allison, you didn't watch it? I did not. I I saw it briefly in when I was clicking past things and went, that looks interesting, <laughs> but I didn't have time. So Yeah, I mean, uh, my girlfriend and I watched three episodes in a row, which is a good sign that it kept me going. Uh, also, each episode ends with like a big cliffhanger. But um, I was a big fan of the first season, which, and also this is, I guess this is basically taking the American Horror Story route where each season they're reusing, they're recasting some of the same actors, um, but it's a completely different story. You know, the first one was The Haunting of Hill House, and now this is Bly Manor. I think, is Hill House the one Shirley Jackson wrote? Is that Hill House? Allison, yeah, you know, yeah. This one is, I think, the one who wrote, I don't know, what it, it's The Turning of the Screw. I always get these two stories confused because a lot of, there's like the haunting, there's a lot of movies where it feels like... Neurotic Woman in a House is at the center right, of both. Right, exactly. They've kind of used this a lot over the last 50 or 60 years. Um, the one thing I thought, so essentially, uh, it's told sort of in flashback where uh, Tom helped me out. Uh, I want to say their name is... Carla Grigliana, is that her name? Gugino? Gugino. She's telling the story in 2007 to a bunch of people who just got married and they're at this big mansion. And they're basically kind of talking about ghost stories. She's like, oh, I've got a ghost story for you. And then that's basically the show. And so the lead actress, who I don't remember her name, is basically the young version of of Carla. She's an au pair who comes to a house to take care of two kids who... Parents died tragically, and then six months ago, the first pair 
also killed herself or drowned and things might be weird um Flanagan's always really good at like utilizing space of big whole big houses and stuff that look very pretty like you kind of like almost like Emily in Paris where you're like oh I would love to live in this place except it's haunted um but I will say the one thing that's been hooking me about this is that by and large most haunted house stories that I think of are usually very centered around a family so then there's a family the first season was like this it's like a family and you're basically seeing how some kind of haunting destroys this family this what i kind of like is yes there are two we are with two children that are the 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 wards of bly manor um but it's really the main woman there's so there's the um the au pair there's a housekeeper there's a gardener there's a cook and these are all people who basically are employed by the family and i kind of like that i'm like oh it's kind of like a haunted house story but it's almost like it's more about the people who have been sucked in because of employment, they have no other option or whatever, than it is, this is your family. And I, I know that sounds like it might not be a big distinction, but it kind of is. You're, I'm just not used to seeing that in old haunted house tales. Um, it's pretty well done. Like, I think it's pretty, like, I'll, I'll probably stop here because there's not much more to converse with, but uh, I'm liking it. I think if you like the first season, like, probably give it a chance. Uh, it's definitely creepy. It has a lot of like, you know, like dolls that perhaps are moving on their own. Maybe we don't know. Oh, my favorite thing. <laughs> so um, Libya, who loves horror, should be watching this. So, uh, but I liked it. So I'm liking it so far. All right, let's uh, move on. Next up, we're going to talk about the right stuff. This is on Disney Plus or National Geographic, whichever you watched it on. And I have to say, I was pretty unimpressed. Especially because I just watched For All Mankind, which I thought was amazing. And this felt like the super generic version of For All Mankind. And it didn't do anything interesting to me. Like, there was nothing that happened in this story that drew me in, I guess. I mean, I watched it all. So, there's that. So, I didn't stop. That's about all I got. <laughs> you you, you do know this, this is a docudrama. Okay. It's still got acting and you still got to get me engaged, man. I think the problem is with, you know, it may, it, yes, it's a docudrama, but it's a docudrama of something that has been docudramaed a lot. to death. Yes. Um, well, I mean, this, this, and it brings nothing new. If you've seen the movie, the right stuff, if you've seen any, and, and I actually, because I love stuff having to do with the space program. So I've seen a lot of stuff about the, the, the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo astronauts, whether it's, you know, TV shows or movies or documentaries, and and about, you know, and, and the right stuff itself. And this just brings absolutely nothing new to the table. I did get through both episodes, but uh, the second one I had to do twice because I fell asleep in the middle the first time. <laughs> and, you know, it's just... It, it's just so mediocre it's so yeah. generic and i, I think it's we're so supposed to get in, in, invested in the competition between the two guys and i just didn't care alan yeah. carpenter and uh and, alan uh, shepherd uh, and, and john glenn yeah the thing is see i'm gonna um i oops my my ipad keeps falling over my 
you know, as as a child of the '60s, I'm a big space nut too. The the advantage this has over the original movie is they've got you know several hours. I think it's going to go up either eight to eight to ten hours, whereas the movie is only two and a half hours. The problem is, I don't think it's a great script because I like the cast. I've seen the cast do really good work in other things, but the direction is flat and the script's kind of also not great. So, the, like like Libya was saying. Or, 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 or and Allison too we so, we've seen so many permutations of this that they really should have focused on what was not covered in the movie and make it really interesting and instead of they're, they're kind of doing the paint by numbers yeah very um, much so because this is, this is such a great story and I'm really fond of I mean the principles you've, you've got um, oh Jake McDormand who was in the TV version of Limitless he's good I like him I, I love him. He's incredibly charming, and you wouldn't know it from his Alan Shepard, unfortunately. And you have uh, the dude who played Mike on um, on Suits, also good. And then Colin O'Donoghue, who played Captain Hook on Once Upon a Time. So you've got these three actors who are normally charming and charismatic, and then it's like, oh, they're playing boring jet jockeys. So let's blend them all out. And I was like, how are, boor- how are Jet Jackies boring? They, it's like they put effort into that. You know what I mean? Well, not, the, the really sad thing is Leo, DiCar- Leo DiCaprio's company produced this, Happy and Way. And it's like, dude, as many Oscar nominations as you've had and you won one, did you look at the script and make sure you're serving your characters and your actors well? Because this thing, it should not be bland and boring. It should be anything but. Right. And um, the part that O'Donoghue's playing, that's the part that helped make Dennis Quaid a star. Because there's a great moment at the picnic, remember, with the with the hot dog? Do you remember that, Allison, from the movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're talking about the movie. I don't remember the, the movie. movie. Yeah. So yeah I, I don't remember I'll, the movie. I'll be interested to see if they end up doing that. What I'll probably do is, after the miniseries is over, re-watching the movie and see, did they do it justice? Or did, is it just... Oh, because we can remake this, we will. Because right. if they did for the latter reason, I mean, you got to have a clear vision. And Danny Strong's involved with this. He's yeah, in he's it. an executive producer. Yeah. It's like, dude, how do you write a script so bland and not give these talented actors something interesting to work with? Yeah. Well, is he writing or is he just executive producing? Because I would expect definitely more from him for as a writer. For well, like executive producer, which. I mean, I would presume he would be a writing executive producer because that's what he's known for aside from acting. But yeah. all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Next up, we're gonna watch it back. Frustrating. This yeah. <laughs> ne- opportunity. Next up, we're gonna talk about Supernatural, which snuck in under the radar and returned completely under my my computer was just like, "Hey, you have a new episode of Supernatural." And I was like, "What?" Was it a monster radar? <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, I like the fact that this episode was like you're not really using the facilities of the the what is it, what's that called the men of letters that they've you know, only like, been running it on standby mode instead of the actual functioning version. And I thought that was hilarious. And I really liked Mrs. Butters. I knew it was all going to go pear shaped, but I liked her. She was cute. She's a cute old, old lady, and she was really sweet. And she made them. Uh, take care of themselves and stuff like that. So all of that was pretty cool. 
the vegetables. <laughs> I just love when she kept sending them off with their little sack lunches with their initials painted on the outside. You know, it's just like it was it was adorable. It was like they were going off to school instead of off to kill monsters. <laughs> so but yeah, I, I mean, it, there was nothing surprising in the episode. You, you knew it was like you were, you know, counting down the moments and looking at your watch, waiting for when she was going to go bad, when something was going to go horrible. And the thing that, that bothered me with the episode is that nothing needed to go bad if somebody had just sat down and had a conversation with her. Um, I mean, that just bothered me. It's like, okay, well, yes, Jack did terrible things, but, you know, he lost his soul at the time, so he wasn't really responsible, and he's got it back now, so it's all good. Okay, really. <laughs> I, think she was hung, I think she was hung up on the fact that he was a son of Lucifer more than anything else. That was really her issue. Yeah, well, that was, but then she, I think she was a little bit willing to give him, you know, some slack until he mentioned that, oh, by the way, he killed uh, 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 Sam and Dean's mom. Um, and at that point, it was like, okay, we're done here. Um, <laughs> here, would you like a smoothie? Just, yeah, here's a smoothie. Um, so yeah, but and, and you know, all anyone ever had to do was was hold, was say something to her, which they kind of did at the end, and and that stopped everything. But they could have done that at the beginning or at any time during. And it's like, is that the only way you could get a story out of this? Well, I don't think they thought she was judging them. They just thought of her as the help. Like she was cooking and cleaning and doing their laundry and they treated, they didn't treat her like a member of the team other than, Hey, she's making us good sack lunches. So I think that's, and then they, her going nuts is what made them sit down and talk to her. But I still enjoyed the episode. I thought it was cute. It was fun. It was not one of their best episodes by any means, but it also was not one of their worst episodes either. I no. think it would have benefited from a subplot of some type or an exterior threat that she could have helped them with. Something. I I was really frustrated with this episode. This was the first episode I've seen since episode 300, and which was, again, very disappointing to get uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan back and use him poorly. Oh, but I was, yeah. I was disappointed, so I don't All know right. if I'll watch until the finale. Yeah, I mean, we've only got like three episodes left, so I, I, well, at this point, there's no point in me stopping watching at this point. There's five more left. Still, at the, we're season 15? 15. Yeah. Why mm. would I just stop now? It's like I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. I've watched 15 seasons of this show. So uh, I might come, as well finish it. I'll come back for the finale. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Good Lord Bird, which is on Showtime. And I'd like Allison to tell me what she thought first, because I have thoughts. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, are your thoughts different than mine? Eh, maybe um, a little bit. I, okay. I I really like this. I mean, I think John, the, the whole story with John Brown is is ripe for, for dramatization. And it's been done a few times before. Although, I, usually Brown is relegated to a supporting character. And he's just, you know, played up as his crazy is just that you know he's he's this lunatic and he's dangerous and and where i like this is that he's much more central not the central character that would be onion but um brown is is very much the driving force behind the story and even though he is absolutely nutty as all hell um his he has 
there's a goodness at his core. There's a, a you can you can sympathize with what he wants. You know, his his way of achieving his goals is a bit dubious, but um, the the goals themselves have have merit, and and so you you, you just he becomes a very compelling character and the people who follow him are, are also this weird collection of, of interesting people. And as seen through the eyes of, of the character who they, I think, I think his real name is Henry, mm-hmm. um, who they, uh, they, de- they decide is a girl for some reason that John Brown mishears something and nothing will convince him otherwise. And they force him to wear a dress and call and dub him Little Onion, because he can't possibly have a name of his own. Uh, and you know, there's the way that the the kid plays the role. He's fantastic. I he I I love seeing him progress through the story, and how he he interacts with all these characters and how he puts up with the situation and you because you 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 ask yourself sometimes as you're watching this well why would you do this and it's because he's grown up in a situation where survival is pretty much everything so everything takes a backseat to that self-pride ownership of of yourself um of of being able to stand up and say who you are that's that's all something that has to be subjugated in preference to just getting by and surviving so I, I think you know that that explains a lot about his character. But I I love watching the the show and how the characters interact, and I'm especially looking forward to when they're going to start uh, when they bring in Frederick Douglass, who's going to be played by David Diggs, because I will watch him in anything. <laughs> uh, and uh, so far, I'm just really into the show. I'm I'm in. Well, I I did watch the pilot. I I went back. It took me two sittings because I got angry in the first 15, 20 minutes. Because the difference is that it depends on who tells the story of John Brown. In black culture, John Brown is considered this huge hero because he went around freeing slaves. Uh, In white culture, he's considered a crazy man. And... So and that's I, how he's been depicted mostly. Right, because yeah. exactly because white people are doing the depiction of of him. So I didn't like how crazy they were making him. I felt like offended because you have to be crazy if you want to free slaves. That's really and his willingness, he was very uh evangelical as far as he believed in the Bible. He believed that he what he was doing was right. And like I said, in black culture, he's considered like this epic kind of hero. And I I was really kind of pushed back on how crazy they made him seem. And I didn't like it at all. Um, mm. And I also didn't like when they put Henry in a dress and just had him as a girl for no reason. Because in the book, the person who wrote this is based on a book. And the person who wrote the book said all the events are pretty much all true events. The only thing that's not true, fictional, is Henry's character. He put Henry in the story to be the narrator, to tell this is what I saw, blah, blah, blah. Why he decided to make Henry a girl, I don't understand what that's about. Like, it's kind of good. It's like it's done for kind of comic relief. So, like, you're dealing with really dark subject matter. And so they have Henry as a girl to be the funny of it, which I don't find particularly funny. Um, so 
while I want to see the story of John Brown, and I ended up watching it because I wanted to see the events that happen. Like, I wanted to see how these events happen, and his relationship with his sons I thought was interesting. But I, I'd like to see a black person do the story of John Brown. I, um, I, I'm just curious, because um, I do like Ethan Hawke. I, I don't know the story, and I haven't seen the show. I'm, um, but how is Ethan Hawke? Oh, he's fine. I mean, he's, he's playing the character the way he's supposed to play the character. He's playing the character with heart, but still kind of crazy. Like, he's not... He, they make him seem like he's not all there. It's just traditionally Ethan Hawke is not the character... He's not the character actor I would I would get to play someone crazy. He's a very... Like, in his before... The before trilogy and stuff, he's usually more of a... He's more of a... He's either subdued... Or he's kind of like just a normal guy. No, so he's not that at all in this. He's, I think he's been branching out more lately, though, because he also was in Tesla, which I, it was not a character I would have normally thought for but, yeah. well, that's Ethan Hawke. Um, but he did a, a really good job he's, of that. Yeah, he's doing a good job yeah. in this, too. Like, it's, it's not Ethan Hawke's performance that I have a problem with. I think he's doing a great job. That's not my issue. My issue is how they're portraying the character. Um, and See, that's that's it. I, I and which I can understand, but I, I from what, all accounts, I mean, he was fanatical. Yeah, fanatical is not the same thing as crazy. Well, crazy. But, you know, this. The, I think that it's okay if you have a character because I, I'm, you know, even though he's crazy, I'm still rooting for his side. Clearly, um, I, I, it's it, what he wants is basically good. But yeah, he is he is out there, and by all accounts he was. Now, granted, you said by all accounts are you know from the white perspective, but uh, I think that that it makes him more interesting. If he were just righteous, yes, that would be very easy to depict him as the good guy. I think making him more complicated and harder to love by virtue of his crazy just makes him more interesting, not less uh, sympathetic. And his cause. I, I, I just, I find it hard to believe that a bunch of people would follow him the way he's portrayed. Um, that's just, I, I, yeah, I, I have a problem with that. And Well, I've, I've seen some leaders yeah, who I I've mentioned who uh, I can't imagine people following either. But I knew you were going to say that, but that's not where I'm going with this. But, yeah, uh, no, but I let's, know, I know. Let, let's move on. I, I, I will say this, it is engaging television. And I'm probably going to keep watching it because I do want to know the story more. So I'll leave it at that. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Next. <laughs> um, and it's a new show on Fox, Fox. Uh, that deals with a scientist who created an AI and realized very quickly that that AI might destroy the world, so he pulled the plug on it, and by doing that, his his company fired him for for uh, basically cutting off their revenue. And then years later, you find out the company's gone back to finish or continue the work, and that AI is going about killing people. So, but we and we take it from the point of view of uh, FBI agent as she's investigating the murder of one of her friends and a, and a scientist who got killed by the AI. So that's really the crux of the story, at least of the pilot, like investigating how this AI got out. Is it really going around killing people? What's going on? So Tom, what did you think? 
I loved it. I mean, just you know, uh, John Billingsley who played Doctor Flox. Um, I was yeah, I was Friday. mad he got killed so fast, but yeah, <laughs> yeah but that. You know, when you, when you cast a fairly well-known genre actor and kill him in the first couple of acts, it's like, okay, we aren't playing. Um, I like the cast. It's always good to see John Slattery, formerly of Mad Men, although I wish he would shave his chin. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was distracting to me in, on, a, on a very large television screen. Um, but uh, when the FBI agent's son... Is being is talking to the Alexa knockoff. Yeah, having a full-on conversation, and the husband tells the wife, "Oh, she can't do that. She can only she can only answer questions." It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the last shot of the episode is her giving him the combination to get in the into in the, the gun safe. Gun safe. Yeah, you know, I can take help you take care of those bullies permanently. It's like, whoa. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's always interesting that. These, you know, paranoia, Skynet, Matrix type things where, you know, AI, killer AIs take over the world. It couldn't happen. <laughs> but man, we are so dependent on a technology that if they decided to get rid of us, we'd be so screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, your thoughts? Um, I really liked it. I mean, we've seen this story before. You know, Tom just mentioned a bunch of them. And, and there was even a, a good version of it called her uh that came out the you know not too long ago but so you know it's the ai that goes crazy and starts evolving into some super intelligence isn't new but i like the way they're handling it i really like john slattery and his character and i think you know he he really holds the center of the show together um, and I'm interested to see where it goes. I think one of the things that's interesting about this particular AI is that because it's it was made more intelligent via having people talk to it and learning about people, it has this very broad grasp of human psychology and how to exploit it and how to exploit people's weaknesses. And that's how it managed to get out of its little cage and, and get onto the internet. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how it keeps playing with people. And certainly, you know, the whole conversation, the creepy conversation with the Alexa knockoff and the little kid, I mean, that, that sent a chill up my spine as I was watching it. That was great. Uh, so I think, I think it, you know, this is just, it's not new, but it's handled well, and I'm definitely interested to see where it goes. All righty. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the season finale of The Boys. And this was culmination of the, all the whole storyline all season. And I remember last week we were saying we were concerned because Congress, you thought it was all going to come down to getting all the evidence from Congress, and that was going to be the plot, and then they blew everybody's heads up. And then this episode was like, okay... Are we just going to go kill them all? Or are we going to come up with something else? And they ended up doing a combination. They ended up getting that file from A-Train. And then, uh, which was great, because Stormfront basically lost all her credibility instantly. As much mm -hmm. as she built up her internet presence, that came back to bite her very, very fast. And then we had the girl team up against Stormfront, which was also awesome. Girls do get it done. <laughs> Girl power. 
But I actually, I thought that was interesting that they knew they were going to have Stormfront get beat down and instead of having some guy just beating her down, they had all the women superheroes just take her. It was, I thoroughly enjoyed that fight. Um, and Homelander, I think he genuinely cares about his son. He was getting to the point where he was doing a not terrible job at being a dad. Like, he was really kind of invested in it. And I cheered for him a little bit, just a tiny, tiny bit, uh, for him, his relationship with his son. But you still knew that wasn't... I think that if he had kept his son, it would have made him a better... Like, Stormfront aside, if you, if Stormfront is gone from the picture, I think his son would have made him a better person. You That's, think so? I think so. Because it made him... Like, he was concerned, genuinely concerned about another person. When he saw his son in that crowd of people and realized his son was upset, he was just like, oh, I, I have to protect him. And he he did it instinctively. He didn't have anybody tell him what to do. He just did it. Um, and I think that that he could have his son could have actually helped him be a better person. I don't know if it would have helped his son be a better person, but it w- I think that his son would have made him a better person. Stormfront needed to go though, because I I did like the looks he was giving her when she was like. When you need to hate something, think about all the the people who are not us that want to destroy the white culture. And he was like, I like that that Homelander looked at her like, what? Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Somebody <laughs> we are not quite on the same page. Right. Wait a minute, when did that happen? Right. Yeah, it's seen as, as as terrible as Homelander is. And I've always said this. This is one of the things that is it like for Homelander. There's, there's always an there's always a level of like something very personal, and so when she makes that crack about white genocide or something, he, you're right. His face is like, what? All right, man. Like, but, which is interesting because he's so terrible. And I was like, man, even Homelander, even Homelander is like, okay, man. Like, Stormfront's got to go. Like, uh, yeah, she's a hard do you think, do you guys think Stormfront's gone though? Or do you think they're, they're she's going to get, she's going to re-energize. And then but at the end of season three, she'll be back. I hope not. I think anything could happen, but I doubt it. I doubt she it. might have a. Ca- I think she might have a cameo. Like they might show her up and have an episode, but I don't think she's going to be a long-term villain again. But like, why not just kill her? Why? Like, I mean, they have that classic narrative of like, unless you see them die. So I was like, ah, I was like, why didn't they just kill her? I was like, okay, like can resurrect people. Wait, what? What'd you say? You can even see a corpse these days, and they can resurrect people. That's true. That's but I mean, true. I mean, I, I thought she looked pretty pathetic with half her head blown out, and she's just chanting in German, and you're yeah. just like, okay, it's done. Yeah, she, she, she got the full Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I can't believe I didn't think of that. You're right; it was kind of Anakin the way she's yeah. burnt up. So oh, she's I gonna didn't... come back in a robot suit. She's gonna come back half android. <laughs> um, that, did you that, guys that... like the season overall of Boys? Yeah. I thought it was excellent, yeah. and I thought the wrap-up was great. Well, Tom, go ahead. I couldn't hear you before. Go go ahead, Tom. How about that reveal at the end that it was the congresswoman making the heads go exploding? Oh, that was a that great was twist. Great. I thought it was for sure the church dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to miss Goran Vishnik. I, thought, I, I really thought they were going to do more with him this season, and clearly they're not going to be doing anything with him next season. <laughs> um, so that was unfortunate. But I remember when they when they – wrapped everything up for the, the 
you know, uh, media and said, you know, oh, it was actually Stormfront who did this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, you know, we still haven't found out who was blowing up all those heads. And the very next scene, um, you know, that's what we get. And, and really, that that did surprise me. She was the last person I was expecting. And now Huey's working for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'd like a job in your office. She's like, sure, come on in. And I was like, this, the only good thing is now he's going to be placed in her office and he might notice, because he's so trained, even against his will, how to spot soups and stuff, he might figure it out. Maybe. Possibly, yeah. Maybe. So, uh, wrapping this up, we're saying thumbs up for the finale? Oh, yeah. yeah. Great season. All right. Definitely. I love, by the way, that they came back to episode four of season one with the airliner. That was yes. Oh yeah, with the blackmail when oh yeah, with the with the footage. Yeah, episode that Peter still hasn't seen yet. Oh, sad, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's wrap this up. If you guys have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire@gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Listen to us on GetThePointRadio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.